0: everybody and welcome into the second edition of Flock Talk, the official podcast of the Beloit Sky Carp. He's Josh Flickinger. I'm Larry Larson. Thanks for joining us in your hard-earned off-season time. We're officially in the baseball off-season now. and Flick, I'm sure it's a tough time for you being that you know you can't watch baseball, so now you've probably resorted to having to watch the Green Bay Packers.
1: Well, thanks for the intro, Larry. Uh, we're starting on an up note here. No, it's been, um, you know, it's been 30 years of, of, of domination um, through our friends in the South. The is Chicago it over? Bears. Is it over? Yes, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It yes. is over. its it has yes. gone. It's done. It's over. It was a great run. You it heard him. Super it's over. Bowl it's
0: over. It's all over. And, Washed.
1: Um, you know, it was a great run and I'm thankful for it, but uh, it is over. Yeah.
0: True perspective. Uh, from Josh Flicking, are yeah. always good to see. Maybe outside of that, how you been? You oh, know, you outside busy? of that,
1: fantastic! Yeah, we've got some fun stuff uh, coming up. We are planning our Christmas party; it is right around the corner, and that gives you kind celebrate of some
0: perspective. Thanksgiving first, though. Are you a Christmas decorations after Halloween guy?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I am a bit of a you know. I'm a bit of a Grinch when it comes to the Christmas decorations. I don't care if we... There 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 might not be one piece of tinsel that adorns my home, and I would be completely fine with it. It's bad. I know. I don't care about a tree. Wow. I don't care about any... I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. No
0: no Flick family excursions out to the tree farm? No.
1: Um, hey, look, a deer. We, we have done that when the kids were little, but now they choose to spend time not with us, so it's, you know... we're getting kind of dark here but uh you know those viewers and listeners out there that have older kids i mean it it just the the dynamic changes a little bit but i could i could use a little more christmas cheer uh for sure but uh, maybe this will be the year it all turns around (laughs) we'll see um
0: you know transitioning to maybe some holidays that have passed not halloween but the world series it's over we're going to dive into the world series with our resident bearded philadelphian jared Takis. Uh, from the front office here in Beloit going into the Philly side of things. But the Astros come out on top. Dusty Baker gets his first World Series ring. Uh, A lot of good feels considering everything that the Astros have gone through over the last handful of years.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think think the Dusty thing made it so much more palatable for people because they were, at the time that that scandal, they were kind of saved by COVID because – they would have been so roundly booed in every single stadium they entered in the COVID year which was 2020 instead there were no fans and by the time fans got back into ballparks it was 2021 they had what lost in the world series or lost in the playoffs Mm -hmm. it was like it, it had kind of faded dusty was kind of a lovable figure um, but yeah, they were, they were at one time absolutely the most uniformly hated team because the, the cheating was so obvious and widespread and they were just caught red-handed. So it was it was tough. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of Astros fans in my life. Uh, Visit Beloit's Matt Bozen is a randomly a huge Astros fan. But um, I know, figure News it out. Me. Yeah, big BGO Bagwell guy, killer bees back in the day. Um,
0: Biggio Bagwell, Bozen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dynamite, dynamite stuff. Yep, like Bears keep beats. The be- Battlestar Galactica. But um, but yeah, I no mean, bit. I w- it was fine with the. I would have loved to have seen it go to a game seven. I think that's what we were all. I I did stay up for the no hitter, but the no hitter. The, the no that was a late night. That was I think it was a Saturday, so it was like no big deal. But it was probably what it was after eleven. I think it, was, time, a right? it, it was, was a late one. It was a late one. And I don't know about you, but for me. The luster of the no-hitter when there's four pitchers. It is different. And I understand, of course, especially in a World Series, that you're yeah. not going to have guys cycle through the yep. order. But yeah. the Yeah. Tradition- remember, I'm an old guy, Larry. And uh, the traditionalist says, man, me? let the guy at least give up a hit or at least get to 110 pitches. It just yeah. didn't happen, especially since he had a 5 nothing lead. No,
0: I, I get what you're saying with it loses its luster a little bit in the regular season. But to me accomplishing that in the World Series on the road, yeah. no less, I think that really adds to it for me. Um, I'm not one of those guys that's going to say, like, oh, you know, it's you know, no-hitter, no big deal anymore. It's still a big deal. It's a combined no-hitter. The heat is so, so turned up. And we even saw it here in Beloit this year when Beck Way, a Kansas City Royals prospect, took a no-hitter into the eighth, through the eighth. The first pitcher out of the bullpen, first pitch he threw, gave up a hit. It is so hard to come in with that pressure. For me, that's what I think about.
1: Well, there were, it was definitely an unbelievable environment. And, you know, you almost wish, definitely the degree of difficulty went up because he was on the road. You almost wish. It would have happened at home in Houston just for the scene that would have happened as opposed to a bunch of, you know, 40,000 just depressed Pennsylvanians headed for the exit. Uh, It would have been an unbelievable scene in Houston. But, But yeah, I mean, I think the best team, you know, it's one of those things where I think you could very easily argue the best team all year, if not record wise, just the consistency with which they played ended up the champions.
0: Yeah, 100%. Now, jumping over to the off-season news side of things. Yeah. This news came out literally as we were recording our first episode. So, we are behind the eight ball. Skip Schumacher, the latest manager of the Miami Marlins. I'm really excited
1: to see where he can take the team. Well, he reminds me of a lot of a scrappy, gritty, gutty utility infielder by the name of Craig Counsel, who has been... Uh, you know a ringing success for the brewers yeah. it's that same type of mentality same type of long extended career where maybe um wasn't so highly regarded when he entered the big leagues but all of a sudden spends whatever it was seven eight ten years however long that skip schumacher was annoying the heck out of me as a cardinal and i'm sure he did yep. as a, as a yep. cubs fan oh yeah did for you too just and so one of those, those guys those guys know the game and uh, you know i'm sure that uh You know, Marlins brass felt their ability to communicate with players. They're certainly, you know, right in that age range, you know, recently, fairly recently retired to be able to, you know, relate with today's player. And uh, I think it's a really good hire by the Marlins. And it seemed like right afterwards, uh, you know, Marlins players uh, across the Twitter sphere were excited about it too. Yeah,
0: and that's definitely a good sign. And I think, you know, two things were really telling to me. It was really clear that Kim got her guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was. I think she really wanted Skip Schumacher, and they made that higher and that's always a good thing when you can get the person that's at the top of your list. And I think the second thing that really stands out to me is they retained Mel Stottlemyre Jr. as pitching coach, who's been – I mean, arguably, the coaching bright spot of the organization over the last handful of years.
1: Yeah, you can't argue with the results that he's had. And and so you never know. Sometimes when a manager comes in, they want to clean house. They want to yeah. bring in their guys. In the Marlins case, Stottlemyre will be back. And I think that's a real positive.
0: And Skip, in his interview, one of his introductory interviews said, I want to bring in my own guys. I'm not just going to listen to whoever says, oh, you need to bring in this guy. But he kept Mel. And I think that's really telling that him and and Kimming are on the same page. That's really good to see. Uh, One piece of minor league news, Skycarp news. M.D. Johnson has been named the Midwest League Pitcher of the Year. Flick, not super surprising news to me. Being able to see every single one of his starts this year, he was dominant at best, and at worst, he was gritty.
1: Well... You know, as MD might say himself, you know, I had a really great year. I had a great year and I, I, I pitched well, you know, I was really excited about it. You know, I, you know, I, I, I came out there every fifth day, every sixth day, every seventh day, whatever we do here. And I really competed, Larry. Um,
0: been working on that one for a while. Yeah.
1: Bit. Well, we talked a lot to doc throughout the year. We did. Doc's we did. a chatty guy. Doc, I mean, let's just lock it in right now. Future guest on flock talk. We need him on the, on these airwaves for sure. Yes. And, and we'll lock that in for sure. But, uh, I mean, you talk about a deserving guy, just, you know, as I kind of mentioned in my. In my impression of him just, you know, took the ball and was remarkably consistent and uh, just a great season for Doc. Well-deserved.
0: 3-4-6 ERA in 20 starts, 112 innings and a whip just over one, 1.04. And those numbers increased at the end of the season, that ERA and that whip. For a good time there, he was under one in whip. So he was right up there on the league leaderboard in ERA and whip all season long. A no-brainer for Pitcher of the Year, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, and I'm excited to see what Doc does in the future, hopefully starting out, you know, next year down in Pensacola and working his way up from there.
0: Definitely. Speaking of pitchers, we've got another former Skycarp arm on the podcast here today. Our first-ever guest. We conned somebody into it. It's Sean Reynolds, former Skycarp closer, former Pensacola Blue Wahoos closer, talking championship and his season this year. So without further ado, here's Sean. We now welcome on our first ever guest onto the Flock Talk podcast. It's former Beloit Skycarp and Pensacola Blue Wahoos closer, Sean Reynolds. Sean, appreciate you hopping on. And uh, first of all, how does it feel to be our first Flock Talk guest?
2: Oh, man. Uh, Well, first of all, appreciate you guys having me, man. And uh, I'm excited, dude. This is a cool thing you guys are doing. It's going to be a good way to connect with the fans. I think throughout the year and then obviously going into next year. So thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. Well, as Sean, as I pointed out in the text to you, not only are you the first guest, but you are legitimately the first guest we asked. We did not go through a litany of like, Oh God. Okay. Number 34 on the list is Reynolds. Hell, he might be desperate enough to do it. That was not, that was not the case. You were a one, a one on the guest list. And you know, we, we didn't even talk about how to start this, but, I got to start at the end. You were the guy on the mound when the Blue Wahoos clinched the title. What was that like, Sean?
2: Oh, man. Um, I mean, easily the coolest experience I've had as a pro so far in, you know, six, six years, seven seasons. Uh, not a whole lot of winning involved in, in my career up to this <laughs> point before this year. So um, that was the first time I got to be part of a celebration like that and it was awesome man it was everything you could imagine and you know the guys who were who I was with at the beginning of the year with you guys in Beloit you know we kind of talked about that and obviously weren't sure where we were going to end up by the end of the year cuz obviously the goal is never to stay in one spot for too long until you get to the big leagues so we talked about it kind of you know when the year started of like hey man like we might as well go try and do something cool this year and and make a run at this thing so You know, shout out to the guys who started in Pensacola and won the first half for us. And then, you know, by the time we all got up there, we were like, hey, we're going. So if we're going to go, we might as well win it.
0: And you make a great point there in that a lot of those guys who started the season in Beloit finished in Pensacola on that championship game in that championship team. But a handful of those guys were also with the Clinton Lumber Kings way back in 2019 <laughs> when you guys made it all the way to the Midwest league championship game and you were right there. You were in the championship series and lost to South bend. So I got to imagine that winning a title this year probably had a little bit of redemption to it for you guys, right?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, well, i Unfortunately for me, I actually wasn't there in 2019. I had a 2019 was a pretty forgettable year for my my personal case. But, yeah, for those guys that that we started the year together and then, um, you know, they got to uh, they got to watch South Bend celebrate. I think they lost at home the final game. So it was pretty cool, man. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of some of the same dudes that we remembered from from that team in 2019. But um, for the for the guys that were in Clinton for for that run and that we're able to be in Pensacola. It was, it was pretty special, man, to, to know, you know, where we came from and, and you know, where we started this whole thing with a lot of the dudes that I've been playing with since I was, you know, 18, 19 years old to, to finish the year with a championship and, and to be able to celebrate with those guys just made it 10 times better.
1: So obviously, you know, previous in your previous baseball life, if you were Thinking about how you're going to walk off a uh, a championship, you're probably hitting a home run, a double off the wall. Instead, you're on the mound. Talk about your your transformation and just you know, I'm sure it wasn't smooth at all times. But um, you know, you ended the year kind of exactly the way you wanted and, and in the spot you wanted to be in, right? Taking a closing role and obviously having all the faith the manager had in you, not only for the championship, but I believe you pitched in a, an even crazier game to get to the championship, right? There was a catch at the wall. There was all this kind of stuff. So to kind of take me through that journey of, of, of transitioning from a, a power hitting first baseman to, uh, you know, to a guy that throws 99 off the mound.
2: Okay. So I guess you could say, uh, the transition kind of started unofficially in, in the COVID year in 2020. So, you know, it was kind of an uncertain time, right? For everybody. And, uh, COVID kind of shook everything up all around the world, not just in minor league baseball, but especially in, in our arena. And it was the first time I really had time to sit back and um, get away from competition for a little bit, obviously, because when you're in June, July, and August as a as a pro ball player, it's like that's the time you're knee-deep in the season and you don't really get any, any free time. So um, I guess you could say as much out of, like, boredom and curiosity as anything, and I kind of started throwing off the mound a little bit and building up my arm, and then it kind of transitioned to... The organization came to me, uh, actually, and, and was like, hey, um, you know, we know you pitched in high school and uh, we know you're pretty good at it. So we're going to, you know, get you on a throwing program and see how you like it and see how you respond and all this stuff. So I was, of course, open to it and didn't really know what to expect because it had been at that point, you know, I think close to five years since I had been on a mound in a game and thrown a pitch. So, um that's how it originated. And then through 2021 spring training and and throughout the season, that was kind of, you know, that was a big year of of growth and development. And once I stopped hitting officially and and made the full transition to pitching, um, it took me a while. Honestly, it took a while to feel like not only to feel like I knew where the ball was going, but to also feel like I was able to really understand what I was trying to do with my body and with, you know, everything that comes with being a professional pitcher. Right. So it was, a, it was a big learning process. 2021 was, uh, it was a long year. It got, it, you know, it got frustrating at times, but um, definitely took a lot from it. And then, you know, fast forward to 2022, uh, showed up to camp and kind of, again, didn't really know what to expect. I knew it was my, this was my final, you know, initial contract year with the Marlins. So knew that, you know, I had to make something happen obviously, but uh Kind of just went in with the mindset of trying to enjoy every day man and and not get too caught up in you know the job and the lifestyle of it and just everything that had kind of held me back in my in my first career i guess you could say and um yeah dude like i said we the guys that went to beloit to start the year we obviously met all you guys and you know we had that goal of day by day but also you know by the season's end we wanted to be in a position to where we were competing for a championship and then like i said luckily the boys in pensacola kind of threw us an assist by winning the first half and then by the time we got up there um we were able to kind of hit our stride right because everybody you know getting called up from from single to double a is uh, i know for me it was a big adjustment i know for everybody else you know they had to kind of learn what they were doing and how to compete at that next level and and then we kind of hit our stride right at the right time with some of the guys who'd been there the whole year and then the dudes who got called up. Um, but yeah, the playoffs more specifically, man, was uh, that was one of the crazier weeks of baseball I've ever experienced. <laughs> Cause it was, it's fast, right? Cause you get three games, uh, three games a series and it can be over like that. And honestly, in the sixth inning, we were down sixth inning of game two, we were down five, nothing at home. And I was like, well, damn, like this might be it fellas. We might be packing it in and then heading home early. So. Fortunately, that was not the case. Uh, like you said, that was that game was one of the crazier games I've ever been involved in, and obviously ended up pulling out the dub. Uh, Nasim hit a home run in the eighth inning out of literally nowhere. <laughs> I think it was his third career homer yeah, ever. He yep. had two in Beloit, and then that was his first double-A home run. Like, couldn't have <laughs> picked a better time. And, you know, so that kind of obviously gave us a huge spark. Um, closed it out that night, and then – 24 hours later, we were back at it. And that was the coolest part, I think, was like, it was all in a one, you know, technically like a one day stretch of baseball, right? To where you win one game where you think, all right, we're, you know, a couple outs away from going home and then all of a sudden we win and it's, all right, we're back at it tomorrow. And I was kind of giving our manager a smoke, Randall, a little bit of of crap at the end of the game. I was like, hey, I'm back out there tomorrow, no matter what. Like, if we have a chance to win, I'm on that mound. Don't even think about putting anybody else in. And I was, of course, serious, but you know, just kind of giving him, kind of, kind of being, being lighthearted about it. Sure. And then, luckily enough, uh, that next night we were able to get the. I think we took the lead in like the seventh or the eighth, two out single. And you know, as soon as as soon as that happened, man, I jumped out of my seat and 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 knew that I was probably going to be in that game. And like you said, that was. That ninth inning was, I mean, that's everything you live for as a baseball player, especially for, for me as a closer, too. It's like season on the line, one-run lead, um, and that was a great team we were playing, man. The Rays organization from top to bottom is stacked, and especially that Montgomery team has a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Probably 80%, 90% of that roster is going to find a home in the big leagues one day. Mm-hmm. So, that's what you want man is the best against the best and you know for it to end the way it did of two catches at the wall and you know runners on with two outs and just everything right we got it. I think he went to a 3-2 count first and second and it was like all right you know this is it right here we're gonna, we're going to win or we're going to lose on this pitch and it's kind of one of those things where you just got to let go and and say whatever happens happens man and that uh Kazar was the kid I was facing at the very end he made the last out but he I mean I threw a perfect pitch and he made a perfect swing and that ball could have easily went 403 feet instead of 399 and we could be having a different conversation, but ended up going our way. And then that was, you know, like I said, that's one of the more wild 24 hours of baseball I've ever had in my life. And then all of a sudden we're not even done yet. Right. We got to pop champagne in, in the dugout with the fans and everything. And it kind of felt like, you know, we had just, We had just won and then we realized we were like, wait a second, we're not, you know, we're not even halfway done yet. And then go into the championship series, lose game one again and had to go on the road back to where we had just been like two or three weeks before that. It was kind of weird the way it ended up. We played Tennessee for a week and then ended up seeing them in the finals. Um, But yeah, pulled the pulled the next one out, scored like eight with two outs. And then the last game, we kind of just all poured out, right? We were, you know, the excitement and the and the buildup kind of kind of led us up to having Yuri on the mound, and Kobe hit a big big home run, the grand slam, and everything just kind of fell our way in that game. So super fortunate, super lucky to be in that situation, and obviously, you know, being on the mound for the last out was like that's everything you can imagine and more, right? As a kid growing up, and even though it was double A, like it was still very, very cool to be a part of, and definitely not the last one I hope to be a part of, for sure.
0: You know, you mentioned so much of the mental side of it, you know, you build it up in your head, you you got these huge moments and also, you know, transitioning from being a hitter to a pitcher on the physical side, you know, I'm wondering for you, all your life, you'd been a hitter, also a pitcher in high school, but just how hard is it on the mental side of things as a competitor, to go from being a hitter to being a pitcher?
2: Um, for me, honestly, I, I I enjoyed it. I really did. I think um, I kind of realized that's more of a natural fit for me on the mound. And, uh, you know, I think the numbers would obviously say the same thing. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed it. I think the most difficult part was, for me, balancing the, you know, you kind of, while I was still hitting, I was, you hold out hope, right, of, of an op- optimism of, all right, it's going to work out and it's going to click. And, you know, I haven't failed yet. Right. We're not done yet. And then as soon as it was officially done and, you know, kind of close the book on it, balancing that realization of like, okay, yeah, that's a concrete, like if you want to call it, that's a concrete failure. Right. And didn't live up to what I thought I was and what I wanted to be as a hitter. And then, but at the same time, I had to like, kind of, you know, go back and forth between I have this crazy awesome new opportunity on the mound but also just have to come to come to come to peace with the fact that I didn't work out at the plate so um for me the transition was a lot of fun obviously like I said there were some frustrating moments in there and uh but other than that man I, I really enjoyed it and as far as the mental side goes um definitely a blessing to struggle for so long as a hitter and know know what that feels like and understand what those guys go through on a daily basis and what the routine and everything that is that goes into you know getting ready to play a game every single day has I think given me a huge step up on you know the rest of the guys in, in baseball when you talk about just understanding a hitter and the way they think and the way they go about their business and and when you take it out into the game I'm you know I feel like I have a I, have a slightly bigger advantage just because I can look at a guy and, and kind of know or tell what he's thinking, right? Or have an idea at least when he's, you know, when he's out there based on body language or facial expression or just whatever. Cause you know, anything those guys are going through, I've been through it, probably worse. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, When I'm out there, I kind of just use it to my advantage.
1: You know, you're sporting the Skycarp lid there, looks great on you by the way, of course. Um, what are some of your favorite memories from your time here in Beloit?
2: Oh, man. Um, There's a lot, honestly. But I think number one, I think was the group of people we had in the clubhouse every day between you guys, the staff and, you know, the stadium staff, everybody that that contributed right every day to making our experience as players as as smooth and as easy and as fun as possible. But obviously, you know, the clubhouse is who you spend the majority of your time around. And you guys got to be in that clubhouse all the time. and, And you know, what a special group that was to start the year with. And then as we kind of went, you know, minor league baseball, it fluctuates all the time. Right. But we kind of kept a solid core group that ended up all going to Pensacola at the end of the year. And yeah, I'd say, you know, favorite memories, obviously there were a couple of big walk-off wins that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Moe's home run is definitely yes. one that sticks out. Um, for me personally, the 14 pitch at bat that I had against the Wisconsin to, to close the game was really fun. Um, but I think just the everyday, man, every day showing up with those guys and, You know, to get off to the start that we did, I think we were like, what, seven and 23 or something like that in the first 30 games. It was it was horrible, man. Horrible. Not the way we not the way we wanted to start. Not the definitely not the way I pictured it going. Um, But then to finish the first half the way we did, I think we finished like what, either 500 or one game above 500, Mm -hmm. something like that. So I think that's just a testament to the group that we had and, and the mentality that we all kind of shared. Right. Of like every day is its own day. We might've gotten our, our teeth kicked in yesterday, or we might've kicked somebody's teeth in, but it doesn't matter because we're going trying to win a game tonight. And that's, that was the most fun environment I've ever been in in minor league baseball, from Beloit with the guys that we started with to then when it ended in Pensacola, kind of the same group of just shared that mentality every day, man, of, of showing up to win a ball game. And that was it.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's really what it comes down to when you're having fun. You know, usually the success comes after that. My last question for you here, Sean, you know We've got this beautiful new ballpark here in Beloit, but jumping all the way back to 2019 with Clinton, you got a chance to play at Pullman Field. Maybe uh, finishing on an interesting note here, I know you talked with Flick earlier in the year about maybe you hit a few bombs at Pullman Field. How about your favorite Pullman Field memory as an opposing player? Oh,
2: boy. Be um, as brutal oh, and honest as so you it can be. I have some not-so-favorite memories of a couple of my teammates wearing ground balls off the face off of a bad hop in the infield. And uh, I think we lost a game one time because there was a base hit to the outfield and it literally hopped over our center fielder's head and we lost the game. So it was like just crazy things that you don't see anywhere else, right? But um, personally, my favorite memory, uh, man, we only played a few games there. I think I did hit a few home runs. That was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, not a, not a whole lot of bright spots to be <laughs> shared about Pullman. But definitely... On that same note, the new stadium, it just makes that new stadium look that much better, right? Of coming to work every day and knowing that that's your, for us, knowing that like, hey, you know, especially in the beginning of the season, it was cold, super less than ideal conditions to be, especially losing in every day. And, Mm -hmm. but to come to work every day and, you know, at the end of a long road trip, you come back home and know that, hey, we got a beautiful brand new stadium waiting for us. And just the place, you know, the, the workplace environment, like I mentioned of like, we get to come to this top-notch facility every day and and get to work, and that just made it, that just added to the incentive I think to want to get better, right? Because it's you never want to show up and not be proud of where you're where you're working or where you're representing, and and that new stadium and everything they've done to to make the experience in Beloit better has, I think, made all the difference for that team.
0: Sean, really appreciate you taking the time. It was great catching up. Congrats on the ring, and uh, keep doing what you do, man. Uh, we're rooting for you.
2: Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Take care.
0: Thanks to Sean Reynolds for taking some time out of his busy offseason. Now a busy time for Sean, hard-throwing, big righty. And Flick, if you ask me, we had a lot of entertaining guys on the team this year, you know, whether it was guys who were here all year or guys that went up halfway through the year down to Pensacola. But Sean was really up near the top of the list every time he took the ball. I and mean, That intensity was so much fun to watch.
1: Yeah, anytime you have a guy that plays with the passion that he does, um, you're going to want to tune in. And and he was he was awesome. A lot of big fist pumps from uh, Sean Reynolds this year.
0: I think one of my favorite memories from Sean this year was when I think it was the closest we came to having a little brouhaha between teams. Oh, yeah. When he waved at an opposing player, I'll you know keep the name and the opposing team you know off the podcast, but. He said, get out of here. Yeah, and He was done him with
1: him. He was done yep. with him. Yep. It, was, it was, it was, yeah, you don't mess with Sean. He's a, he's a large human. And um, <laughs> to see the transformation that he's made, you know, I, I remember when we were um, sending people, I, I had just met him and um, we were setting people up for those opening day interviews. And you really don't know who you've got as far yep. as personality wise. But I talked to Sean for maybe 35, 40 seconds in the clubhouse, and I'm like, okay, this is a guy that's capable of doing interviews. And boy, yep. was I right. Yes. As you guys just saw, he's awesome. <laughs> awesome interview, awesome guy. And so it was, um, it was just great to see his success this year.
0: Wishing the best for Sean moving forward. And, hey, speaking of emotion, how about we bring on the, the bearded Philadelphian himself, Jared Takas, to you know, maybe dive deep into the emotions that the World Series brought to a, uh, you know, homegrown Philly fan. Uh, it had to be tough. Let's, uh, let's hear what he had to say.
1: It is with a somber heart and deep feelings for the aggrieved that, Flock Nation, I want you to welcome bearded Philadelphian Jared Takis to Flock Talk. Now, <laughs> Jared, your smile that you're wearing currently is but a facade for the true feelings you must have deep inside your Philadelphian heart. (laughs) After your fillies brought you to the brink of ecstasy only to stomp on your withered soul yet again. Can you take me through your emotions as October crested and then fell? <laughs> yeah uh,
3: it's, it's, a, it's a great intro there um, man uh, yeah there was it was it was it was a wild wild October for for sure uh, not not the first time that I've had my my dreams crushed by by the Phillies uh, uh, you know so but uh no uh, to be perfectly honest you know sitting in June July you know I was expecting another you know yet another season of, of no playoff baseball in Philadelphia Um so you know to kind of have that that run down at the end to to really to really clinch that that last playoff spot um you know with another abysmal september that we just seems to be kind of the philly thing now like september hits and we're we're done playing baseball yep we're, we're yep. you know we've Checked had enough out. so um but for them to, to to claw back and and really uh just really fight you know the the, you know the fight and fills that's 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 what they're known for uh so you know i was just happy to be able to make the playoffs Uh, i was happy to to be able to to sit there and watch baseball in october um and then you know the magic happened and you know they just you know they knock off the cardinals and then they go and knock off the division rival braves uh get some help from san diego there with knocking off the mets Mm -hmm. and and the dodgers um and and it really just kind of was a you know, really just a perfect storm of, of hey you know we might make a run at this so um disappointing that we weren't able to, to to bring it all the way home but uh we were able to do something no other team was able to do uh in the playoffs this year which was you know take two games from the astros they <laughs> <right>. swept everybody <laughs> up to that point so um so to be able to just kind of fight there and, and not roll over and die once we got to the world series was was just it was just really a, a, a fun fun playoff you know experience to watch having having not had watched playoffs since 2011 and not having watched them in a World Series since two thousand nine, so just really, really special.
0: You know, I, I think the reason that that Flicks intro was was so good and you know so heavy emotionally be, was because that's how we felt at the end of the regular season when the Brewers were eliminated by by the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did it feel to you know be able to watch your team eliminate a team that you probably hear a lot about uh, here in in southern Wisconsin?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Brewers are you know. Definitely a, a big one here. I hear about I hear about the Cubs a lot here, though. Sure. Obviously, being on that being on the state <laughs> line. Um, so no, again, you know, coming into September, you know, w- with that with that slim lead, I I wasn't feeling very confident. I was, you know, I, I kind of half expected, you know, the the Brewers to, to catch us there, which they did. You know, again, thank you for for the big club in my in Miami. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, helping out Huge. the Phillies there. Um, but uh, I mean, all in all, it, it, you know, it was good. You know, we you know. Andrew McCutcheon is a you know a former Philly. He was on the Brewers yeah. this year, so um, you know we have some, some some you know some crossover players here and there. Uh, you know I'm sure, I feel like I'm sure it, it didn't feel good for you um, to have to watch Hader pitch as well as he did in the playoffs, knowing what, what he was doing in uh, in the Brewers there before uh, before he got traded away. Well, thanks for joining us, Jared. <laughs> it's uh, been a real
1: pleasure. Now I do have, so I want you to sum up. I want you to sum up from the playoff run i want you to sum up the high your highest high where you felt the best maybe it was maybe it was in the card series when you had that crazy rally in the ninth maybe it was obviously game one of the series and then take me to your lowest low as well
3: yeah i yeah a lot a lot of highs a lot a lot of highs from uh from the playoffs, um, I, I think I think any Philadelphian would tell you that the highest high was definitely Bryce Harper hitting that 100%. home run uh, in the NLCS to to send us to the World Series. Great I one. mean,
1: great moment. That great uh, moment.
3: that is a moment that will go down, you know, in Philly sports history and is is just already immortalized. It um, just you know. I was very skeptical of Bryce Harper when he first came Mm in. Uh, Wasn't, you know, a big fan of him coming up. Wasn't obviously playing for the Nationals, was (laughs) not a big fan of him. Um, But he has really embraced that city, Uh, you know, more, more, more so than I than I ever anticipated him to do. So to see him embrace the city and and, and to see the city embrace him back uh, has been has been really fun. And and that moment just kind of encapsulates kind of that whole culmination um, of everything. So um, and then the lowest low uh, would have to be the no hitter immediately after oh. hitting five home runs the night before <laughs> yeah. um i mean <laughs> baseball but again that's but that's classic phillies uh, again yeah. you know they they go out and they 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 rip off they have a huge offensive night and then it seems like the next 2 3 days yep. it's it's like they've never they've never swung a baseball yep. bat before right. so um that was definitely that was definitely a low one and and that was kind of after that no hitter that was kind of where it was like all right. I think the magic might be starting to, to, to fade a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think we've kind of, we've, we've played all of our cards and I, I don't think we have any more left. to play <laughs> here. So, so that, that kind of was, was really, I don't know if we go that far. <laughs> uh, you know, Rob Thompson did a, did an absolutely fantastic job, uh, you know, taking over, uh, after, after they let go of Joe Girardi. So, um, you know, Awesome to see them take that, that interim man, uh, title off of there and yeah. and offer him an extension. So excited to have uh, a Rob Thompson there for for a couple more years and, and see what he can do.
0: You know, I, I want to maybe transition away from baseball, mm-hmm. if that's allowed. I'm, I'm not sure. Yes, um, also, a can. sensitive subject for somebody here in the room sitting to my right, um, your left on the screen, actually. But uh, on that's the opposite right. end of that, you know Eagles looking pretty good we might have to have you on again in february uh inevitably when they make the super bowl and, and probably lose that too but uh did you expect this for the eagles uh I, I you know i
3: don't know if i expected them to be undefeated right now i mean it's the first time we're uh, we're 9 and 0 in franchise history um you know actually first time we were 8 and 0 last you know 7 and 0 is the the best record we've mm-hmm. ever started as undefeated um I expected him to be pretty good. I was I was pretty high on the defense coming in, uh, with the with the Bradbury uh, acquisition. Uh, you know, the top two corners there, uh, between Slay and, and Bradbury. Um, the uh, the Gardner Johnson uh, signing from uh, bringing him over from New Orleans, uh, I thought was a was a great move. So um, I really was very high on the defense. Um, my biggest question mark was Jalen Hurts. Was was how much of a, yeah. a of a step forward could he take? Um, I mean, he looked good in, in you know the short number of games that he played in uh, when he started taking over for Carson Wentz. Um, but with this being kind of year two. Uh, of him being the full-time starter, I was kind of looking for him to to take those those next strides, those next steps, and uh, it looks like he really has. I mean, the the deep ball's gotten a lot better. Uh, his decision making has gotten a lot better. Um, I was actually reading a stat today. I think I saw on there um, he's one of uh, four quarterbacks uh, in history to lead his team to an undefeated season so far uh, with throwing 12 or more touchdowns and having, I believe it was five or less uh, turnovers. Um, he's got only three turnovers on the season so far. So he's taking care of the football um, and really one of the biggest reasons why we are sitting undefeated.
1: I don't know if you were doing that. Hopefully that was on your lunch break because Eagles stats don't have anything to do with your working for the Sky Carp or Geronimo or anything like that. So yeah. I'll just, I'll push that up the ladder. But anyway, Jared, we want to thank you for joining us. Um, you know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times all in the span of a couple weeks and, uh, you know, good luck to your Eagles. I'm not particularly rooting for them, but I suppose it's better than Do they, do they have Green Bay
0: schedule? Yes. They do have Green Bay on the schedule? You're going, schedule? Right? And, I, and I'm yes. going to that game. It's uh, the, uh, the
3: Sunday after Thanksgiving, Sunday night football. So I will be in attendance. Oh, that'll be fun, national TV. Yeah, yeah. that'll be. That'll be.
1: Excited? So uh, thank you again, Jared, for, <laughs> for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, and, and, you know, congrats again on all, the, on all the Philadelphia success for this bearded Philadelphian. All right, thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Well, thanks to Jared for coming on and, and discussing what was surely an emotional time, uh, that World Series, for any Philadelphian. But hey, you know, like, like I said, at least they made the playoffs. At least they made it that far.
1: Don't kid yourself, he's a broken man.
0: Okay. Um, One thing we didn't mention with with Jared, one other headline in Philadelphia outside of the the Phillies' great run, what the Eagles are doing right now, it went viral right around when the Phillies lost. There is a fella who put up signs all over Philadelphia on light posts that said, come watch me eat a whole rotisserie chicken for the 40th consecutive day. So he put these signs up everywhere. It caught traction on Twitter and he amassed a huge crowd on this abandoned dock near the shipyards in South Philly to come out and watch him eat a rotisserie chicken for a 40th consecutive day. First of all, how does that even happen? And would that even be possible anywhere else in the country for people to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go watch this guy eat some chicken.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, the first sign was I. I thought it was uh, you know like uh, something straight out of a Bon Jovi song. You know, <laughs> Johnny used to eat chicken on the dock. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the next thing you know, this, this guy's found in a rotisserie for a month and a half. Um, no, I mean clearly, just it's one of those things where it's a. It must be this Philadelphia. You know, yeah, you you wouldn't see that. I don't believe in a in a midwestern city. It's a, I don't think it's so. It's a it's a unique maybe beers or cheese curds. Yeah, or, but not not a rotisserie chicken. But this guy, gotta hand it to him. I mean, it uh, it certainly went viral. He's gotten a lot of. I, I'm sure he's doing all the circuit, the Today Show, and the NFL Live. Now whatever. Block talk
0: coming soon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got that on the docket, and uh, not actually, but no. Um, don't want him, don't So him. that leads us to our last segment of the day. Top of the order ironically, at the bottom of our order today, maybe lower third of the order today. Top three foods you could eat for 40 consecutive days. Are we doing a, a coin flip today? Are we doing an SD card flip today? What What are we doing?
1: Um, I don't know. It uh,
0: looks like we're... Oh, Matt and Michie, our producer, creative services yes. director is... Okay, we're going to flip uh, okay. the clear con. Okay, all right, so we're...
1: Heads, go ahead, Larry, you got first pick.
0: Okay, we just flipped a for those listening, uh, hard. Got to paint the picture. Got to go into play-by-play mode. It's a headset case that mm-hmm. Mitchy tossed, and it you know twirled end over end, and then landed there we with go. the heads up. So I guess I'll take it here. Number one for me, foods I could eat 40 consecutive days. I'm going with my favorite all-time breakfast food, and it's Swedish pancakes.
1: Oh yeah. It's a great call. Um, I mean, and then they're
0: also kind of thin, so you could eat one every day. Yeah. Oh, with no with problem. Usually, I eat like four at a time, though. I'm maybe a big maybe with my five. Swedish
1: pancakes. I'm a huge um, whipped topping with some fr- some sort of fruit involved. You, you
0: need lingonberries. Yes. Swedish delicacy. Yes, absolutely.
1: Good stuff. Absolutely. You know, I've actually got personal experience with my number one pick, and that is. With uh, Jimmy John's, okay, I was the GM of a uh, Jimmy John's store <sighs> for about a year and a half. Really? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. The one so in um, last... at Chesney
0: Park. Wow.
1: Okay. So yeah. last
0: last week, last episode, it was it was golf maintenance, and yeah. now it's Jimmy John's.
1: I've had a long and some would say checkered career. <laughs> <laughs> Been around the block a time or two. Okay. Um, All right. Good to know. And uh, and so yeah, I mean, I tested this theory out. We would work ten hour shifts. Uh, as a uh, management. And uh, so that would often include, you know, two sandwiches. And I had no problem eating Jimmy John's every day. It'd switch up the sandwiches, switch up the ingredients. But yeah, it but was does, Jimmy does John's that used to count. twice a day. Does
0: that count though? Do you have to pick something specific from Jimmy John's to eat every I day? I just
1: think that all of the, you know, whether you talk about Jimmy John's or Subway or Firehouse, it's all so similar, right, on the menu that I think it counts. I believe it counts.
0: All right, Jimmy John's Broadly. Broadly. Is it's a broad stroke, yes. Flick's number one overall pick. You know, for me, you know, it's, it's hard, hard to pick like full meals that you would eat every day. Maybe yeah. for me out, outside of the Swedish pancakes. Because, you know, you could go like rich meats, like you could go like a steak or a pork chop, but then it ruins a good thing. Too much of a good thing is really bad. I'm going really simple, I'm going to go with a snack. I'm going to go with, like, Lay's potato chips. Okay. Okay, so, you know, Lay's aren't even one of my favorite foods, but they're light, good flavor. You know, anytime you want a snack, you say, hey, I'll I'll have a bag of Lay's. No problem with that. And it's not something that I think you'd get sick of super fast.
1: For my pick, very similar to that, I'm going to go chips and salsa.
0: Okay. Oh, man, I I really missed on that one. All day, mm.
1: all day, er day. Shoot. Um, you know, you could go with a pico. You could go with a, a verde. Whatever your salsa of choice. But just my personal choice would be the Tostitos lime. I'm huge on those. Oh, dude!
0: And Tostitos lime.
1: Oh. Electric. So good. Top of the line. So good. So that's that's my that's my second choice.
0: I might have seasonal bias, but my my third pick to round out my lineup, or top of the order, bottom of the order. In season right now, it's fall starting to get towards Thanksgiving just past Halloween I had one today and it was delicious I'm going to go with an apple oh I think I think it's healthy it's something you know you eat an apple a day it keeps the doctor away I think if I eat an apple for 40 straight days uh, hopefully that checks a few nutritional boxes and you can Keep eat it
1: regular few. as well
0: exactly yeah yeah, yeah. It's you know important. you can you can have a few different types of apples. There's lots of varieties. So, broadly, you know, you went Jimmy John's for your broad pick. I'm going apples. You could have a green apple, you could have a red apple, you could have different types of Caramel apples. apples? Yeah, you know, if you really want to mix it up. So, I'm going an apple. I, I think that might even be my strongest pick.
1: Great call. Larry goes healthy. I'm choosing ice cream. That's right, delicious, <laughs> unhealthy, full of fat ice cream. If I had to go one flavor, I'll go mint chocolate chip, just a classic, and I could eat that every day. Not, not quite
0: vanilla, but almost.
1: No, I would never. I, you eat just straight vanilla ice cream, it's a bit of a psycho move. You, you, I mean, you, you maybe throw some chocolate syrup on there, but just eating plain vanilla can't do it. Oh, come on. You eat plain vanilla sometimes, ice cream? Sometimes, sometimes. Doesn't surprise me at all. You're in there, Mitchie, as well? Wow. Man it's got to be a taste, premium Matt vanilla Michi. ice cream. Then it can't just be some run about, of it has got to be okay, really you, good. Side tangent here.
0: You're at Culver's. You're in the drive thru You know, maybe you're short on cash. You don't have enough money to That's true. pay for a concrete mixer or yeah. toppings on your custard, chocolate or vanilla. Well,
1: I mean, there it's chocolate for me. We, uh, just for the reasons we discussed, it. vanilla is too vanilla for me. I gotta have a little something, something there. But if I, you know, they do give you one free topping. So, oh. yeah, it's one one topping is free. So I would go vani- I, in that case, I go vanilla with hot fudge. I love the hot fudge. I'd it's go great.
0: I'd go vanilla with hot fudge, too.
1: Wow. That's why we're best friends, folks.
0: How about that? Let's uh, what do you what do you say? We go get some Culver's custard. right Can now? Can we hold
1: hands? Sure. All right. Sure.
0: You're driving. Sounds good. All right, folks. That about does it for episode number two of Flock Talk. Thanks to our guests, Sean Reynolds, Jared Takis, our resident Philadelphian really cutting deep maybe is therapeutic for him we can only hope but hey we'll catch you here in less than two weeks now for our next episode the third episode of Flack talk we'll talk to you then